0: You could like my body, can't trap my mind, not to ever be free. Okay, free the Black Panthers, F-P-B-P, stand for free the Black Panthers, and up the black police, feds infiltrated our movements for black leadership roles, but we still here, finna build here, up coin sale pro, show, they got me started, lion hearted, I'm the new Mufasa. King Khalid Muhammad We gon' make your day a holiday I fuck oh, me, i mad Free the Black Panthers, F-E-B-P Stand for Free the Black Panthers it's up the Black Police That 13th Amendment Tryna make a slave of me You can like my body, can't trap my mind Not forever ever be free, okay Free the Black Panthers, F-E-B-P Stand for Free the Black Panthers it's up the Black Police Feds infiltrated our movements for black leadership rose, But we still here, the bill here, Upcoin Tail Pro. RBG, R.B.G., 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 R.B.G. Rbg My sisters, my brothers, council, the elders, cause that's really all I need. We suited, we booted, don't do it, you stupid, we head to the armory. Black women and goddess, regardless, my heart just don't fuck with misogyny, foolish stuff. Don't tolerate it, melanated, so you gotta hate it. Barack up up another conversation, Trump finna get inaugurated. Damn, unify or die, NBPP.org
2: First and foremost, the New Black Panther Party, no, no other Black Panther Party, we are not violent. We are for self-defense and self-determination. The most violent group in this country are the police. What is taking place by the police departments to black people across this country is ethnic cleansing and genocide. It has escalated since the day that Barack Obama was inaugurated in 2008. our people to be subjects of this government. We never had any say in that. We need our own nation.
3: Probably get a better response to it than if you try to make
4: it an all or nothing thing, particularly at this point in time.
0: welcome to this Intelligence Squared debate on the motion that the West should pay reparations for slavery. The issue of reparations has gathered momentum and a renewed sense of urgency in recent years. In America, Senator Elizabeth Warren, who was running for the Democratic presidential nomination, has backed reparations for African Americans. And closer to home, at the recent Labour Party conference, Senior figures called for reparations, including the shadow chancellor, John McDonnell, who suggested that one way that Britain could do this would be through sharing free... A few house
2: rules. Uh, number one, we, we had difficulty in connecting the YouTube link earlier to go live. So what we will do, this Zoom is being recorded, and what we will do is we will upload it as a, as a playback Onto YouTube it should be available within the next 24 to 48 hours we will also do our best into YouTube to leave the leave the links for the for the um, to access the PowerPoint presentations that a uh, few of our presenters have uh, presented and will present and of course you can always give us a message back at um, mbpp.org, uh for anything that you're not able to get a hold of, uh, but of course, give us 24 to 48 hours as it relates to this to this broadcast or any of the presenters. If you want to be a part of any of these many organizations that are coming forth, you know we are pushing right now a Black Power movement. Uh, this is a, indeed an international Black Power movement. So there's work to be done in your cities, states, counties across the country and and across the Pan African diaspora. So that was our brother. Uh, sip away, uh that did the presentation. He brought some very key points. Uh, our next presenter that should be coming up is going to be Baba Barudi. Uh, let's see, do we have him in the in the in the link here? If you're on Baba Baruti, we got a lot of people in here. Just go ahead and open up your mic. I wonder if I need to try to give him a a call because he should be already on. I'm looking at the participants. If you're on Baba Baruti, just open up your microphone and your camera. I hope he wasn't one of the people I silence. We did go a bit out of order uh, because our brother from um, Guinea-Bissau was not initially scheduled to be on the broadcast, uh, but uh, Brother Jaeen Lukman uh, put us in contact with him, and we were going to have him. Uh, come in in the earlier part this morning, um, but we had a little bit of a shaky start due to the fact that we were trying to get this YouTube to work, but it it just didn't work, brothers and sisters, but the show went on. Baba Barudi, are you here? He is up next. I hope he didn't confuse, let me see my phone, I hope he didn't confuse the Central Time with the East Coast Time because he is the one that's slated. Uh, in the meantime, I see we have a lot of powerful people on. Um, where's Baba Baruti? I do not see him. Let's Sherry see you. How you doing, Sister Sherry? Great, good. Keep going. I'm loving it. Okay. I, was, I met you three the other. Anyway, I talked to him on the morning of, Four hours our time, 6 or 10 a.m. his time. That goes by, anyway, I caught a little bit of him. Go ahead. I'm going back to mute. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mama Thank you. Sherry, for covering down uh, m- Mother Sherry. Uh, she is a part of the, the Provisional Government of the uh, Republic of New Africa. She's also a member of Encobra. She also represents the Gullah the uh, Geechee Movement, and she does a lot of powerful work with helping uh, brothers and sisters, get their land back, or help deal with their their air land here in the states. So, I mean, we got some dynamic folks uh, at our at our at our disposal here. The reason why we decided to do a teach-in is because we have to deal with the political education and get the the, the fundamental uh, knowledge and ideology, so that when we're talking about reparations, that we know what we're talking about. So we want you to not only watch this program, we want you to re- re-watch the program. And again, in 24 to 48 hours, we will have this up uh, on on YouTube. We had uh, Baba Baruti. We had a little difficult with, difficulty mm. with going live, so the mm. show just had to go on. Yes. So we thank you. Your mic is not open right now. You can open it whenever you're ready. Um,
3: I should be unmuted.
2: You're muted now. You're unmuted okay. now. And okay. I know you sent me your PowerPoint presentation. I mm. don't know. I think one of the things may be taking place is I'm uh, broadcasting from a hotel room, and I'm only able to use their Wi-Fi. Okay. And it was giving me problems. I don't know if that was what was the issue was with the YouTube, but I also had a problem even trying to connect, open up my uh, email to Play Brother Kofi's PowerPoint earlier. So okay. he winded up. So everyone's been doing their PowerPoint on their own. Okay. Uh, the, the, the share screen is available, so if you can go ahead yeah. and try share screen now, okay. We'll see if it works. All right.
4: All right. Okay.
2: The floor is yours.
4: Okay, I appreciate that.
2: Um, we appreciate just you. the Crystal, here, I
3: pre- you know I appreciate the invite, and especially from you. We, we of course know each other fairly well. So I I definitely was excited about the idea of doing this. And you said, um, really, my introduction when you said, um, we need to have this discussion because people need to know what they're talking about when they're talking about reparations. Um, And I think that's part of uh, of the problem. I think that we need to, I really believe that we need to look at the idea of reparations again. Um, Because it, it seems to me that some people have lost sight of who we are. We've lost sight of who we're dealing with, and um, we've lost sight of what was done to us and continues to be done to us. A lot of people approach the the topic of reparations as if, you know, this is a done deal, that what has happened has happened. We we forget about how to define Ma'afa in the way that Mama Rumba would define Ma'afa. It's an ongoing event. It didn't begin with our enslavement. It began with the touching of the first African person. And it continues to date. And, in fact, it has escalated as far as I'm concerned, and the level of sophistication has escalated along with it. So what I wanted to do, and I titled this Underplaying Retri- uh, Retribution, because it seems as if the, I don't know, every year, every five years, uh, that what we're asking for seems to go down. It seems to lose its force. It seems to... um uh it's as if we're trying to appease someone, as if we're trying to find what level of, of generosity they're, they're willing to, to experience, they're willing to give, instead of looking at ourselves and understanding who we are. I can't remember a time, I can't remember reading anything in our story of people who were righteous and serious about the empowerment of African people where they were willing to negotiate. And we seem to be negotiating ourselves into a hole. Of course, I see a lot of things out here that that are going well. People are putting forth the effort. They're spreading the word. Um, they're trying to do what's right. But I think, in general, uh, like in so many other things in our community, it's getting watered down and it's, it's disappearing because we're concerned about what someone else feels, what someone else thinks. And you know, personally, I I, I could really care less. I'm I'm listening to the voices of my ancestors. And they're the only voice I'm listening to. So when I hear things like apologies, which that seems to have gone away at least for the moment, but apologies from the children of the people who did this to us and are still doing this to us, it's, it's meaningless. And we're, we're latching onto the apologies like this is manna from heaven. Of course, we look at just basic human nature, if you will. In terms of apologies, what has worked for people who are powerful? When someone is apologizing to someone who is powerful, maybe that's the problem. Maybe we don't think we're powerful. Maybe we see ourselves as powerless as other people have convinced us that we are. People who are powerful, if you're apologizing to someone who is powerful or people who are powerful, then there are certain conditions that go wrong with that apology. And I have listed at least five of them here, and there are others. But at least five of them apply the people who are powerful, they're not, they're not negotiating with people who have done something to them. Okay. European Jews, you know, the statute of limitations, they, they're, not, they're not looking at a statute of limitations. Okay. Europeans relative to the uh, people of Haiti, of Haiti, what they did to the Europeans, they're not. The Europeans aren't accepting any kind of apology. They're acting just like they would act if they had been wrong, which they weren't. So the first thing is that um, the person or people honestly ask for forgiveness. The second thing is that they have completely stopped committing the crime. They stopped committing doing whatever it is that they've done. So when we think about reparations, again, all of this needs to go into our thinking. When we're talking about reparations, no matter what we end up asking for, and of course that's a whole other discussion because people of power are asking people who are powerless for whatever it is that they want. They take what they want. And that, of course, is a whole other discussion because we have so many of us who will say what we can't do. What's not possible. People will tell their children all the way from from virtually birth, you can be anything you want to do. You can do anything you want to do, but when they get to a certain age and they say, well, I want to be African, suddenly they can't do that. So secondly, you've completely stopped committing the offense, whatever it is that you're doing. Third, something that has been going on for a long time, you stop trying to make comparisons of what you have done with what other people have done to make what you have done seem less than what you have done. Trying to exonerate yourself from what you have done. Trying to exonerate yourself from your barbarity. And the fourth thing is that you completely compensate. This is really what we're targeting or zeroing in on now. You, can, you, you have compensated monetarily, which is to me only a small part of it, monetarily compensated the people that you've done this to for what they've lost. And, of course, that requires you going back to everything that they have lost. You have returned everything that you have stolen from them, from all your museums, from all your private collections. you returned everything that you took from them. You even return those jars full of alcohol with black men's penises in the South and in the North. They don't belong to you. You return everything. You fully compensate the offended for the immediate pain and suffering as well as that which was brought about by the suffering. As Emerson Wilson was talking about, people talking about equality. Either you take two glasses of water, one of them's more full than the other one. Of course, that represents Urugu. The shorter one represents us. And he said, we talk about equality. So they pour the same amount of water in each glass. They're still unequal. This means full compensation, not just partial compensation, but just some larger crumbs. And then finally, and I'm taking this primarily from Bobby E. Bobby e. Wright, even though he's not the only person who said it, You have to have that blood debt repaid. That's the one that most of us are going to run from immediately. And now John Clark said, we're not ready for revolution because we're not ready to kill relatives. So we have to have the blood debt compensated for as well. And that I firmly believe is why his most important essay, Bobby Wright's most important essay, uh, Menticide, was not included in his psychopathic racial personality and other essays because in the last paragraph of that essay, he said blood debts has to be repaid in blood. And Marie Evans says, apology, what words could atone for over three centuries of black lives lost to unpaid forced labor, murder, rape, carnage, lynching, and sport, and every other conceivable form of oppression? Who would, who would forgive or forget that? Who would forgive somebody doing that to their mother, their child, their father, their brother? Who, would, who, would, who, who in their right mind? Because most of us are walking around insane. We call that menticide. Who in their right mind would say this should be just forgotten and forgiven and let's keep our rolling even though we're in the same position we were then, relative to power. We might have some influence, but influence doesn't mean anything in this world. Power does. Just like income doesn't mean anything in this world. Wealth does. And this is from that last paragraph in Bobby E. Wright's essay. Our black mission is clear. African warriors are men and women of destiny, and their task is to develop a social theory. References is part of a social theory, which will liberate the minds and bodies of our people. They must take the unequivocal position that if the black race is to perish, the world must perish with them. They'll become punks. they become a collection of people who, are, who, who make a bunch of noise. And I don't care how right or righteous you are. If you can't enforce what you say, it's irrelevant. Blood debts must be repaid in blood. Blacks must never accept money and privileges repayment for the mistreatment of their people. The past black generations who suffer for no reason other than the color of skin must be avenged, not just because of hate, not because of hate, excuse me, but for justice. Of course I can't agree with what everything everybody says. I think that everything needs to be taken from them, including the money. For operating within this capitalist system, if we change this capitalist system into a communalist system, well that's maybe a different story. But as long as this is how we're operating in this world, and for those who don't want their reparations, which surprisingly a whole group of us don't, you can pass it on to those of us who know what to do with it on the front line. I always right, talk to warriors. Those are the only people I talked to about their responsibility and their responsibility to understand that responsibility and act upon that responsibility, puts everything else, including reparations within a particular frame. particular way of thinking, a particular understanding. And the warrior's first instruction, before Kemet and in Kemet the warrior's first instruction was the return, order and balance. That's the first and foremost instruction. You return things to normalcy according to our interpretation of reality. Ma'at, not isfet, ma'at. That's the warrior's first responsibility. But, of course, in order to do that, warriors have to understand that something is horribly wrong. Something horribly wrong has happened and continues to happen. And that is the reason why we demand, not ask, ask. There's no, there's no, there's no request here. At least not for me. This is a demand. For what is justly due. We call this ma'afa. That's what we're asking, excuse me, demanding reparations for. The ma'afa, the great destruction. You can't even, as I said, damages beyond measure. We can't even measure because most of us can't use our imagination to understand exactly what was done to us. It's unfathomable what was done to us, what was done to our bodies, what was done to our minds, what was done to our spirit. This is a genocidal war. Excuse me. This is a genocidal war against African people, which never ended. And someone made a point this morning. Our children don't get it. They think that it's over. They think everything is fine because they don't understand the concept of power. And they have been convinced that what they see now is the way it's always been. And As I say at the bottom, many will consider these uncompromised demands unreasonable. Warriors should consider them also unreasonable. There's some pictures of aspects of the maafa, teeny tiny aspects and i can't overemphasize how teeny tiny these are leopold with his 10 million africans murdered is a drop in the bucket to the hundreds of millions of africans who were murdered and yes even those who committed suicide on the quote-unquote ships coming across the water if someone sets you up in courts in this country, if you set some conditions up for somebody to commit, kill themselves or commit suicide, then you will be charged with murder. So sisters dropping their babies and dropping themselves over the sides of the ocean because they didn't want their children to go to hell. And the plantation system was hell, and the place that we live in now is hell. They were murdered. Folks need to dig into the enslavement of African people. Because most of the folks on the plantation weren't, as we see in the pictures, has been portrayed to us. Folks my age, folks in their 30s, 40s, 50s. The average worker on the plantation was in his teens or her teens, lower teens. Of course, that's a whole other discussion. They weren't in their lower teens. They weren't adults. In terms of how adult, being an adult is measured today, they weren't adults. They had children out there. Children. But because we don't want to see, those images just don't even make it to our eyes. We're very comfortable in the images that are given to us. We're very comfortable in the images. Most folks don't today don't even know what a chain game is. Black men being stopped, coming home from work, being picked up by the local sheriff, taken to prison for no reason except to add to the new kind of slave labor. The mafia never ended, and a significant amount of it is in our heads. We don't know who we are. And many of us don't know, want to know who we are, and would kill somebody for trying to make them understand who they are. That's deep, because normally if we see somebody walking down the street and they're talking loud to themselves and swinging into the air and all the rest, we say, yeah, something's kind of wrong with that person. They don't have, as we say back here, they don't have all their marbles. Something, something is not quite right with that person. But we're acting like we're Europeans. Excuse me, we're acting like the kind of Negroes that Europeans want us to be like, and we're acting like that's who we are. That's insanity. To act like somebody who you are not, to believe that you are somebody who you are not, to believe your own lies, that's insanity. And My my offer never ended. The reparations, the compensations due us, is extremely large. I would again agree, it's immeasurable. And saying it's immeasurable does not mean it's not something that needs to be gotten. So the naysayer stop there. And we're looking at reparations as part of the process because we have to heal ourselves. This is what we have to do ourselves. We have to secure our communities ourselves. We have to create our educational institutions ourselves. No one can do that for us, but reparations is supposed to help facilitate that process. Kind of like jump-starting, like with COVID mess when you got a little check. So the jump-started. But, of course, the money can come, but if the people aren't in the right mind, we've heard so many scenarios of what might possibly happen as a result of that. So that goes back to understanding that we're warriors, And we have a responsibility to return African order. Because remember when those Africans left the plantations here in Brazil and created the Quilombos. The first thing that they did was to recreate African society. They weren't just moving to another part of town and rebuilding or building something European. They were building what was African. That's something, of course, that doesn't get conveyed in the lessons about when we left the plantations. I I see so many watered-down demands. We have become sub-integration-focused, sub-assimilation-focused, sub-amalgamation-focused. That means that you're coming in under. We got the impression somehow that integration is a two-way process. But it's not a two-way process. It's a one-way process of us coming under them in closer proximity, in closer quarters. You know, that's the easiest thing for a rapist if the person who is a rapist is sleeping in their own bed. That makes it so much easier. Brother Hannibal Afrique, our ancestor, warrior ancestor, said once you are compromised, once you start to tone down what you demand, what you're working toward, regardless of whether they're going to give it or not. That's irrelevant to your work. But once you start to water that down, once you start to make that into something less so that they won't be upset, so that they will still like you, so that they'll still let you live next door or in their bed, once you start watering it down, then that's the end of the discussion. Unless someone stops that flow. Because again, as Baba Hannibal, as Rick said, once you are compromised, one compromise leads to another and another and another. It doesn't stop. You get comfortable in it. You start to try to find ways to water it down without making it look like you're watering it down. To so a list of what reparations is supposed to assist us in correcting. Subsidize the correction of what is supposed to, to maybe provide a little piece of a foundation in certain places for certain people. All of this stuff, intellectual lies have to be corrected, mental, psychological damage, physical disadvantages, stereotypes, material resource deficits, personal and technological, emotional retardation.
5: Look at us. Look at black men and women trying to hate each other emotional retardation
3: spiritual disconnection and as we've been told by scholars what they run away from is what they wanted and as soon as they run as far away enough away from it they go to get it so what's happening with african spirituality they run us so far away from it we hate that voodoo hoodoo what have you and what are they doing now as quickly as they can because they understand there's power in that I'm pretty sure probably everyone here has seen this little chart indicating that we received no reparations whatsoever from them. And people can say affirmative action all they want to, but we can go into statistics
5: as who got the bulk of the money from that. But
3: I put this next to this chart from 2016, this bar graph from 2016, which shows opinions from opinion polls, as to who was for and against reparations. And the only thing on this chart that threw me at the beginning, and I remember looking at a study in Chicago where there were, um, it was somewhere around 30% of the white survey believed that whites were intellectually superior to whites from, to blacks from birth. What threw me was that nearly, it was either 55 or 60% of us believed
5: it. So more of us believe that we're intellectually, there. So what threw me here was not that white folks don't believe or oppose reparations. What threw me was the large percent, somewhere around 30%, of us who oppose the idea of reparations. These are the things that those who are fighting for reparations are dealing with, that 30-some percent. And I would argue that that percent is growing because the young folks don't know what happened to us. And most of us aren't telling them. And again, I'll emphasize the point. We are not asking for, negotiating for, requesting anything. Those who are in this movement from the heart, who understand who we are, who we're up against, and what's been done to us. They're not asking anybody for anything. They're telling them. This is ultimatums.
3: And of course, as I already said, demands require power. That has to be galvanized. We have to put that together. We have to bring that together. I see it being brought together in many places, but we have to bring this together. Enforceability is a power prerequisite. If you can't enforce what you say, it's irrelevant. I don't care how right you are.
5: I'm supposed to think about this very, very deeply.
3: Because menticide has us looking out for Europeans' interests more than ours, subconsciously. What comes out of our mouths is already compromised. The problem with most reparations demands is that what is asked for is based on the mental side of parameters of what you, Urugu, might be willing to give. That's operating from a position of powerlessness
5: or simply influence and not power. When we start to look at what has been done, again,
3: we have to go back just like they say, you know, if you want to really understand uh, your, your spiritual essence, whatever, you can't stop starting what happened on these shores. You can't stop with Christianity. You, you have to go back to the origin if you're going to go back to the origin. If you're going to say that you, that's you, if you understand it, then you have to go back to its origins. You folks say all the time, well, you know, we didn't begin here on these shores. We didn't begin with our enslavement. You have to go back to the continent. And you have to go back to the continent in the right mind. You can't go back to the continent looking through European's
5: eyes. You have to go back to the continent
3: looking through your warrior ancestors' eyes in order to understand. But they don't want us to look beyond this this space right here. They want us to lose the Pan-African thing. They want us to lose anything that occurred before our arrival here and only look at what happened on the plantation in terms of the labor that was done on the plantation in terms of wages.
5: And they don't even want us to differentiate between different Africans on the plantations based upon the skills that they came here with. Who did the metal work in the Carolinas? Who, Who built these great houses that they were in?
3: That doesn't come from idiots. That comes from people with skills. We're trying to pretend that this should be settled based upon some particular event within a particular time frame within the Maafa. That's a yorugu serving trap. What they have stolen, continue to steal, is enormous and reaches far beyond this. I tell folks, use your imagination because most of what you need to understand and think about isn't in the books. You have to understand the mind of what you're dealing with, the mind of the beings, people, yeah. however you want to phrase it, that you're dealing with. Okay. It just looked as a. I just, I just looked. listed what five yeah. things here? Just five little teeny tiny things again. Exactly. Reparations need to be considered in the context of the fact that African people, when they go to the car dealership, they're paying more for the car
5: yeah. compared yeah. to
3: people with the same income, same credit rating, and they're going to pay higher interest for that all over this country. I mm-hmm. want to argue every car we buy. Mm-hmm. That's money being stolen from us mm-hmm. still. World for books and recorded material. Mm-hmm. I'd ask everybody if they would to mute themselves. I'm hearing mm-hmm. um, a voice. Madasi. Royalties from books. Ayyikwe Arma had to sue Heinemann for royalties for 2000 Seasons and the healers and other books because they just systematically stole from him. The sister who wrote The Matrix, what she received is nothing compared to what they stole from her. We buy more liquor than, I'm sorry, the indigenous people in proportion to this, to us have more alcoholics. We still buy more alcohol than anybody. And we can't get a liquor licenses if that was something that we need to be doing, which it's not. Just the things that we buy. The difference is in what you have to pay for to have a piece of laundry done. And I say so many times before, the guy who owns a laundromat in New York City, and the guy who owns the laundry man in Sacramento, California. Both of them are ripping us off, but they're not communicating. This is a nation at work against us. It's not just a few lost, uh, ignorant people. It's a nation. They all benefited, and they all continue to benefit from our oppression. What was it, Bobby Womack in Across 110th Street? Said if it wasn't for, you know, the black slums, the black ghettos, then the white high rises wouldn't exist. Postage and transportation to Africa. They've been ripping this off for as long as that's been going on. How much it costs to get to Africa versus how much it costs to get to Ireland. And up until recently, you couldn't get to Africa without going to Europe if you're flying. So if this is going to be an honest, politically correct discussion, the collection of all that has been stolen and appropriated must be brought into the equation. All. Well, I'm skipping things for a reason. I just skipped that one because I don't need to talk about Negroes speaking for us. They should have a voice. But as long as you're not able to enforce, then they're going to have a voice. And they're going to be the dominant voice against us. So I argue we need an equation. If we're going to if we're going to look at this properly, if we're going to look at this like warriors are supposed to look at this, and if you're here, I'm assuming that you are a warrior, or unless my understanding of what's going on here is wrong, you shouldn't be here. We need an equation. An equation is a formula where one side of the equal side, whatever is on one side of the equal side, is the same as what's on the other side of the equal side. They may look different. They may weigh differently, but they to be of equal value. So we need an equation, one that's global and one that measures intergenerational loss and pain that is still going on and significantly predates the capture and enslavement of African people on the continent.
1: And it includes
3: Australia, includes the islands, includes Latin America, includes wherever we are. Yes, that's it. Wages should be included in that. Qualified, as I said, based upon skill level, Given in today's prices and talking about the number of hours that African people actually work. There's, this, there's truth to before sunup to after sun, sunset, unskilled and skilled labor. So I began this whole thought process years, years ago with the question to myself, how do you put a price tag on certain things? Things that happen to us on the regular, things that consistently happen to us, things that were done to us, things that were taken from us. How do you put a price tag on certain things? Because price tags need to be put on it. If we're talking about reparations, then we need to be compensated for everything that was done to us and everything that was taken from us. That, to me, is equitable reparations. That's an equation. How do you put a price tag on physical violence, abuse and calculated murder, menticide, systematic exploitation? Price tags need to be put on those things. And maybe this does need to be done in stages. I don't know. This isn't my lane. I think the lane is in good hands. But that's for them to put the price tag on or them to appoint people to put price tags on notes. This is from a book by Clarence J. Mumford called Race and Reparations, which I think is a very important read. Because even though he doesn't get to the concept of reparations until the latter part of the book, he spends the first two thirds, four fifths of the books explaining why reparations are due. Then he starts talking about what they are and how much. And these reparations are in the trillions of dollars. David Swinton at the bottom, who was the economic, uh, he was the head of the economic department for the Urban League for years ago. This was in the 70s, 80s. I think he stopped in the 90s. Extremely good economist. And he looked at reparations and he concluded, it would take more than the entire wealth of the whole United States to compensate black folk fully. And David Swinton was fairly conservative in his thinking. But he said all of it. All of it. And that still wouldn't do. We need to have a way of looking at this. We need to have a way of thinking about this as Africans, not as hyphenated Americans, not as mythicidal beings, but as Africans, who want to rule ourselves again. Queen Mother Moore said they owe us more than they could ever pay. They stole our language. How do
4: you put a price on that? Crypto and all of this um mm-hmm. a live Zoom. we do twice a day, twelve noon and nine PM. Is, I, oh, okay. then we do a this is my business card. You can go right here.
3: The so, Kwame
1: and
4: the ticket to my can, website. Everybody
3: is not okay. muted. I need I I folks do, to be muted. The
1: okay. so there is a there is a sure. conversation oh, going it's it's on
2: thanks. where oh, <laughs> Way way,
1: back Mom, way, way, way way in that day. I'm
2: going to leave y'all to your I'm conversation
3: real quick. Okay, whip, whip, whip. there are multiple people talking oh, now. My. Queen Mother Moore said they owe us more than they could ever pay. They stole our language. How do you put a price on that? They stole our culture. How do you put a price on that? They stole our mothers and our fathers and took our names. How do you put a price on that? And how do you compensate? Okay, okay. Again, we're having a conversation going on, and it's to get back blocking to it. what I'm saying. Hey there, how you doing?
2: I went to school together. Yeah, way back in the Hold 90. on one second, brother. Hold on one second. My apologize. Let yes. me try this. I'm gonna mute everybody and try to open you up because I can't just keep people should know their their phones not on mute. I I apologize. I I'm gonna try if I can mute everybody at once. Okay. And then come back and open you up by yourself. Let's try that. Okay. Okay, let's see. Um Baba Garudi, can you hear me? I can okay. hear you clearly. And I just, all right. Um, so now, now this says mute all. Hold on, let me just double check. Okay. So we don't go through this again. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't see that it did anything different, but go ahead. Okay. Pro- protocol, Um, you guys that are on here already, don't take your phone off and mute for any reason. And if you maybe, maybe I'm assuming perhaps you clicked over or something and your phone went back on me, but let's respect our presenters time. This is some very important information i did I, I already tried to do that uh it says mute all except the speaker but hopefully that worked all right as, as you were baba black power okay man.
3: all right Madasi. okay uh they took our names from us they took our names from us what kind of price can you put on a person's name that's who you are that's your identity that's your mission That's what you're supposed to be about, your name. And of course, that would require compensation for those folks who are paid to have their names changed. The U.S. will never be able to pay us all they owe us. And it's not just the U.S., but in particular the U.S., since they're the dominant force in this. Europeans aren't the only people, but they're the major force. They're the primary force, and again, we we still don't get what has been done to us. We're welcoming Chinese onto the continent like they're Jesus, and they were the first clientele of the Arabs who were enslaving us eight hundred some years, eight hundred sixty some years before Europeans began to enslave us. So, just some food for thought, I think. How do you calculate the anguish brought on by not being able to care for your own children? Having to give the love due them to the spawn of beasts who would mature into the beasts who would wear down and murder your children. Stories of African women who had to breastfeed the slave monster's children first, and when it came to their children, they had no milk left.
0: And you think about how do you compensate
3: for hunger, for starvation? We don't,
1: we
3: don't understand what went on to us back then. Imagine being hungry from the point of inception to when you die every day. We, we look at the, 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 the superficial stuff. You're on a plantation, you pick some cotton, you know, your back might hurt, it's a little hot out there, you know, blah, 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 but you get rest, have babies, dance, get drunk, blah, blah, blah. No. You, you got to understand some of the most simple stuff being hungry every single solitary day of your life. What price tag do you put on that? Millions, millions of our ancestors. We're still starving, many of us, every day a million of us every day of their lives walking around hungry day in and day out how do you calculate the worth of the lives of babies who put in the shade of trees and gullies to keep them cool while their parents drudged in nearby field infants who drowned because of a sudden thunderstorm and this is a true picture now this picture doesn't, isn't of those children but it's a true story and I don't know how many times that's a true story. That's why I say we have to use our imagination. This is hundreds of years of this mess. You also got to look at how disciplined these children were because there was a situation where they couldn't say anything, where they couldn't cry. But they were so disciplined that they could do it and look at us today. Imagine a group of adults having to work on this plantation in this field. And there are no trees on the, unless I'm badly mistaken, if you're growing crops, then you don't have trees growing in the middle of your field because it cuts on the sun, cuts back on the sun. So you had this group of adults and parents and grandparents and youth going to the field, do their work. And they take their babies and they put them in this gully area that's Got some trees to keep them from getting burned up in the day while they're working in the fields. And these children are so well disciplined, interestingly, that they're not hollering crying, blah, blah, blah. They know that they'll get fed when they get fed, if they get fed, because they know hunger. And the adults, the folks who are working in the field, the youth, the adults who are working in the field. They see the storms coming. And they ask the driver, can they go and get the babies? And the driver says, no, get back to work. And they get back to work. They don't want to die over something that hasn't happened yet. And then pretty soon, the clouds get over oh, oh, uh, overhead, and the rain comes down in torrents. And they break for the babies. They don't care what the driver says at that point. They break for the babies. But by the time they get there, the gully is full of rain and the babies have all drowned. True story. What's the price tag you're going to put on that? What's the price tag you're going to put on those lives? What's the price tag you're going to put on the anguish of the parents, of the community of which they are a part? Of those children that will never be born because these babies didn't have babies yet kind of price tag you put on that? How do you calculate for the loss of our men, women, and children of just lynchings, frenzied madness? How do you compensate for that? Was a couple thousand dollars per head? The thousands of us who were lynched. How do you compensate for the emotional drain? My father was born in Dawson, Alabama, and he saw men hanging from lampposts and trees on his way to school. Some he knew. And he knew he had better not touch them or take them down because then he'd get lynched. How do you How do you compensate for that kind of distraught in the mind of a child? And black men and black women still get lynched today. But since we're not in the power to dictate what happened, they're just suicides. How do you put the murder of self-consciousness into a mathematical equation? How do you measure the monetary value of mental size? How are you going to get compensated for the general who is responsible for establishing Africom being a black man? or a black grown male against his own who could not see them as his own in his wildest imaginings? How do you compensate for lifetimes of systematic disrespect and humiliation? that, if you're a black person in this country, you still experience today. Worse in Canada. The psycho-emotional turmoil that comes with the desolation of social and cultural peripheralization. Excuse me, being invisible. We think it's bad here? Go to England. How do you compensate for the mental side adjustment required in order to survive? Well, you have to adjust your mind. You have to lower your esteem, you have to lower your sense of self. You have to remove your self-dignity or you can't work. You can't feed yourself. You can't get that degree at that school. How do you compensate for that? Talk about reparation. That means to repair. If the damage is still being done, then the word repair has to be corrected. Because if somebody cuts you and you put a Band-Aid on it and they cut you again, making that cut longer, and you put on another Band-Aid, they cut again, make it longer, and you put on another bandaid, then you're not being repaired. How do you compensate for broken spirits, broken aspirations? Much of the literature in the 40s, 50s, 60s, even before then, roaring 20s, way back then was about how African spirits were being broken, aspirations being squashed. You should be a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. Urugu you know what they're doing. None of this is accidental. None of it. Either they're actually doing it with their hands involved or they set up the conditions for it to take on a life of its own. They knew what would happen to people in the projects before they created the projects because they had done the experimentation and they had seen what had happened when you crowded people and you crowded animals together. They knew exactly what they were doing. But they also know what they're doing when they hunt our children, when they homosexualize our children, when they teach our children not to want children. And we assist them in that process because we're men's society. They know that if you kill a child before it has had any children of its own, then you have removed every child that that child would have ever produced. And that's an exponential growth. It grows in multiplicative terms. So if you remove this little boy right here from existence, then that family tree never comes into existence. And that's a gradual decline over time. They know that. I can't remember if it was Japan or China. I believe it was China, who in the 70s, realized that they were having too, they had too many people in their population and they began to give incentives for folks to only have one child. And it took several generations for you to see the effect of that. But then you begin to see the decline or leveling out, if you will. So all these children who are being taught to not want to have children, to not mentally be in a state to have children because Who they're with, they can't possibly have children with. And those who they systematically kill off. That's an exponential decline. One of the few times in my life I've been brought to tears as an adult was from a letter that I received from a brother who was incarcerated. And he had been in something like eight or nine years. not including his juvie time. And he wrote me this letter, like I'm his father. He was writing to me in that way. And he said, can you tell me about women? Because I know what I see here is not right. He had multiple life sentences. His lineage is gone. Warrior ancestor Jacob H. Carruthers said, we didn't start the race. This is a statement of power. This comes out of the mind of a powerful person. Not some punk, a powerful person who doesn't care whether we win within their generation. Who's not concerned about what the enemy thinks and is able to recognize those amongst our own who are pretending to be on the front line, who are in love with our enemy, who sleep with our enemy, who work with our enemy. I don't care how liberal they are. We didn't start the race war, but we will decide when it has ended and upon what terms. In other words, we want complete victory and unconditional surrender. No negotiations, no compromise. So understand why a lot of people can't deal with folks like me. Because they want to get along. They want it over with so they can be in the bed of the enemy. They want peace so bad that they're willing to do anything to keep from dying. When they speak reparations, then they speak less and less and less and less. And just to talk about the number of Africans who were murdered from the point of capture on the continent to their arrival here on these shores. Not talking about the enslavement on this, on this continent or Latin America, but just from the point of arrival on these shores, from the point of capture. And we can look at the scholars. S.E. Anderson, who wrote uh, Black Holocaust for Beginners, he said 280 million would be an accurate figure to look at. 280 million. <laughs> not even. What is that? When I was teaching college, I understood that the students could not fathom that number idea came to me okay how do you make this understandable i could say so many stadiums or what have you they still wouldn't get it so i went to the board one day and i drew a map of the united states and i divided it up in the fifths and when i first started teaching this i was able to erase four fifths of that map and say that's how many africans were murdered by europeans and now i can erase the whole country Every single solitary African, every single solitary person in this country, excuse me, not just African, every single solitary person in this country. And that's still less than the number of Africans who were murdered on the way over here from the point of capture to the point of arrival. John H. Clark and John G. Jackson said you have to start at 100 million. These are our premier our historians. Basil Davidson, their premier historian, he said, oh, we need to start at 10 million. I wonder who he's speaking for. I argue 156 million. Because as I said time and time again, if you really want to understand history, understand our story, then you have to start, you have to read backward. So if one in every two Africans on the slavers, on the ships that brought us over here was murdered, if four out of every five who were in the dungeons were murdered, on there in the dungeons and if one of every three were murdered on the carful lines that got us from the point of capture to the dungeon and we had 12.5 million to arrive here if that's the case then you had that started out with 156 million 156 million died And I'm very sure that's an undercount because I know, and we know, even though they do keep good records, sometimes a little sloppy, sometimes stuff is omitted. And, of course, if you want to know more on this, then you probably want to attend the K. Buka Lecture in November. And people say all the time, and our ancestors say all the time, we're simply vessels. Physical bodies simply vessels of spirit. So we're part of spirit. Part of the spiritual essence of everything. What happens to us happens in spirit. So what kind of damage was done to spirit? What kind of ruptures were created in spirit from the destruction of African people? How do you work that into that equation? How do you work into the equation the role of the European church? In the destruction of African people. In the men's side of African people. I'm not talking about other religions, but just Christianity for the moment. How do you compensate for that? What's the equation for that? I'm going to do this last slide, even though there are, you no. Know, Yeah, there's only one more. Good. One thing that we need to think about, and I'd ask folks to read uh, Sovereignty and Remembrance. But one thing that we need to consider is that reparations need to come from who did the damage. It must come directly from direct uh, taxation of Europeans. Can't just come from some city tax dollars. It's like we get excited because somebody was murdered by the police. Some black person was murdered by the police, and the court rules in favor of the family, and the family gets $4.5 million in compensation for that murder. Well, these are in areas where we're the main taxpayers, and the money either comes from the insurance that our tax dollars pay for or just straight from our tax dollars. So we're paying the person who murdered that person, we're paying for the family's compensation. Europeans are losing nothing. They're laughing their way to the bank, just like with everything else. We need to think deeply about these things. Very deeply. And listen to those voices that are not compromising. And on that note, Mama, Sister, Crystal, um, I'll close my presentation.
2: And... I'm on my, my mic is open. Black power, black power. Black, Bobby, <laughs> you got the comrades in here. Everybody got their notepads out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, I yeah, appreciate uh, that.
2: Good. Class, class is in session.
1: Much Warrior, appreciated.
2: Warrior class in session. Honor. Bobby Baruti comes as a regular featured mm-hmm. uh, host many times on the new Black Panther Party radio broadcast in which we broadcast every night. Seven days a week, 365 days out the year, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern, what is it, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. to uh, 8 p.m. Mountain, nightly. Our, our radio show is listened to globally. We have a strong audience on the continent, many continents in Africa, but every uh, part of the globe people listen to our show of course the majority is here in the united snakes of america and this broadcast or this zoom that we are recording today we want to uh remind everybody that we invited for this reparations teaching here on Juneteenth, everybody that we invited to give a presentation have been brothers and sisters and organizations that we have met on the ground, boots on the ground. Uh, My particular, you know, time being uh, in the movement as a freedom fighter, since I was 19, I'm this year made 51. So I've been going around the country. You know, we've been been meeting these brothers and sisters on the ground, frontline freedom fighters. This is not no handpicked, handkerchief, puppet, uh, so-called wannabe Negro leadership we are we only uh invited and asked to 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 do this teaching and to teach about reparations and these different topics from those who can not only give us firsthand experience Mm -hmm. who have the knowledge but are are actually actualizing putting boots on the ground hitting the trenches and so uh baba barudi we thank you from the bottom of our hearts he's get sent he sent us Books. I mean, like books that you know. People be like, you got to guard those books like you send down money. You know, people <laughs> pick it up. You know, what I'm saying, like, where's my Barbara Rudy. <laughs> you know. So we thank you for for that presentation, All
1: right. All right. Black,
2: Black Power, and give your wife the, the greetings from us as well. I
3: mm-hmm. most cert- I most certainly will. Black Power.
2: Thank- Black power, black power, man. This, this, we had brother Kofi, we had the brother Sipaway. we had brother Lupamon. Um, I mean, th- this is a mighty, mighty uh, format of some very sincere brothers and sisters. So we're gonna come up next. We have my good brother James Rogers. Let me open up your mic, brother James Rogers. You can go ahead and open up your camera and uh. Let me see if you open up your camera. It should bring you to the top. Okay, I see you. Okay, let me open up your microphone right quick. Just one second. All right, let's see. I'm muted. Say something, brother James. Mic check. I'm um, I'm um, 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 am I unmuted? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, you're unmuted. Great. All right, and just to double check. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna mute all, and I hope you're still on, so nobody else can jump in. Let me try mute all again. Okay. Go ahead, brother James. You have the floor, Black Power.
4: Black Power and the June 10th greeting to all. Uh, I'm gonna be short and quick. Uh, my topic was something that probably should have preceded all that you heard so far, because you really. You've really got the, uh, the the heart of the reparations movement from those four people she just named, Brother Luke Mann and Brother Sipaway and uh, Brother Baruti. And who else was that? Brother Kofi, Brother Kofi, my man Kofi Taharker. Again, uh, powerful presentation. I've worked with Brother Kofi for quite some time, been to Houston, he's been to Dallas, and we have... We have some uh common ancestors and 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 comrades, you know, with Dr. Comrade Rug Warrill uh and uh brother Thomas Muhammad. We've all worked together in coalition on this issue of reparations in the state of Texas and uh other places. So again, if you don't know me, my name is James Rogers the Third and uh, I am a member of INCOBRA. In fact, I am a life member of Encobra. I began working with INCOBRA in 1995 following the Million Man March. That was my my opening to really being a, 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 a worker, not just a conscious brother, but someone out doing the work to uh, move our people forward. And so that's what I've been doing for over 20, 25 years now. And uh and that's why I'm wearing into uh Sister uh Crystal and others, you know, and Jamoke and some others that's coming up behind behind me. And I would like to say, just like Sister Cof- uh C- Crystal said, we have some powerful people who've you know, who had boots on the ground and has done some great things for, for quite some time. So I wanna commemorate her for pulling this together. Uh Again, I, I want to talk about the fundamentals. Since everybody's been talking about the the real fight, my my speech, like I said, would, would if it would have came first, you know, right after Kofi, where I was scheduled, it would, it would you would see that I'm talking about the uh, the fundamentals of what reparations is. Brother Barudi uh, said over and over again, and, and it just rang the bell in my house how can you set a price on this how can you set a price on that and that's what one thing we all got to understand what happened to us there's no price on on the, the 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 death of 156 million africans murdered how can you put a price on that but we still have to fight this fight and we still have to get the most we can out of this fight and we have to be self uh, self Dependent uh, Afterwards So that's what the goal our ultimate goal is For us to be uh, independent Because uh, the Europeans When they won their independence When they, when they broke away from Britain they, they broke away with independence That's why they call it Fourth of July Independent Day And that's what we should be striving for Not necessary integration Or anything like that We need to be fighting for our independence That's what reparations should should mean to us. So, uh, again, I'm going to talk about some uh, fundamentals of reparation. And fundamental just mean basic principles, just the basic things, because I, I, I wanted to talk about this because uh, I see so many of our people getting involved in the reparations movement, and, and as I hear them talk about it, everybody's talking about getting paid. How much I'm going to get paid? Brother Barudi, how much is how much is this worth? You know, how much is I going am I going to get paid? And so that's where I, I, I decided. I said, well, "We got. I got to help my people get back to the fundamentals of what reparations is, and not think about just getting paid." Uh, and Cobra has a definition of reparations, and it's, it goes like this: Reparation is a process of repairing. It's not a payment. It's not a one-time thing. It's a process of repairing and healing and restoring of people injured because of their group identity and in violation of their fundamental human rights by governments, corporations, institutions, and families. These groups that have been injured have the right to obtain from the government, corporations, institutions, or the our families responsible for their injuries, that which they need to repair and heal themselves. That last sentence is, is, is telling you what it's all about. We need to repair and heal ourselves. And as someone has always said, we got to re- extract from them the resources that we need to do that. And so... I think back when I first learned about reparations from a brother named uh, uh, Imhotep Akivala, and he told me, always say self-determination when you say reparations. Whenever you say reparations, say self-determination. For people to know that this is about me healing, us healing ourselves, and being free and independent for ourselves. Self-determination means free choice of one's own acts or states without the external compulsion, determination by the people of a territory unit of their own future political status. Somebody was talking about a plebiscite. I think in Brother Sipaway, we have to have a plebiscite. We have to decide for ourselves who we are, where we are. I think the word in, 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 in the Ugo sub is Kuji leader, self-determination is the goal of reparation. So whenever you say reparation, always say self-determination with that. And self, self-determination, it, it leads to sovereignty, the right to govern ourselves without interference from the outside. That is the first thing we lost in the Mahathra. That is the first thing we lost was our right to govern ourselves without interference from the outside. So until we get that back, until we get our sovereignty back, we are not free and we are not repaired. So that's basically what reparations is. Reparations is, is a, is a, a long-time old international concept. I mean, it goes way back to probably when the first person harmed another person and realized that they had to make up for what that, that harm was. So reparations is nothing new. It is practiced internationally and it's practiced on the individual level. It is practiced on the international level and on a domestic level. Reparations is normal. It's something we all have to do at one point in time if we injure or harm someone else in any way. So when we first learned about, when I first learned about reparations, it was about of reparations, it was called a war reparations. At one time, that was the basic thing that people thought about when they thought about reparations. When one country uh, commits a uh, war against the other country, then that country has to pay for the, for the role that they started, the harm, for, pay the cost of the war. It's called war reparations. And it, it, it was practiced when, in, in World War II. Uh, when the allies forced reparations from Germany and Japan. So war reparations is a type of reparation. Then you have another thing they call micro reparations, micro reparations. And we've seen people play with reparations like this individual cities, families, states, schools, or corporations try to make payments to help right the wrong. That's micro reparations. That kind of reparation is not, the reparations that we're entitled to, we're entitled to full and complete reparations and and no, no state, no individual, no corporation is in a position to do that. Only the U S government is in a position to do that. All other governments along with the United States that's responsible for this injury for full reparations, The state of California is talking about paying reparations. They're talking about paying money. They're not talking about self-determination. They're not talking about sovereignty and self-determination for the people of California. They're not talking about healing. They're talking about just paying out some money and hoping that, because if they wanted, if if the U.S. government, really wanted to end this reparation thing, they would offer everybody $2,000 and you'd be surprised how many of our people would jump in line to to take that money. And it'll be all over with because that money will be gone down the drain as fast as you get it. But reparations has a lot of different aspects to it. And there's a lot of different words that when you think about it uh, can describe reparations. And, And some of those words are, you've heard them, restitution, redress, making amends, recompense, atonement, compensate, reconciliation, satisfaction, rehabilitation, or you could just, like Jane Brown said, the big payback, a 40 acres and a mule. You've heard of all of these synonyms that, that you know, equal reparations. Making amends, the act of showing that you are sorry for bad behavior by doing something are accepting punishment, like Brother Barudi just talked about, the retribution—that's punishment. These people should be made to pay deeply for what they've done. They need to be punished, and not—not not, like you said, not us helping them pay for it. They have to pay for it themselves. Retribution, atonement, and that's—that's that's a, a maybe a spiritual way of looking at it. You have to confess your sins. You have to confess what you did wrong. You have to apologize. You have to feel bad about what you did and confess and apologize and then pay reparations. And that leads to redemption. So, you know, those are all these words, compensate, indemnify, uh, redress to compensate and adjust the situation in order to make things fair and equal. Restitution is the act of restoring restoring a people back to a position they were in before the crime happened to them. That is the international definition of reparation, to restore a people back to a condition or to a condition they would have been in if the crime would have never happened. Can you just even think about where we would be at and what we would be like if if the the slave trade and, and slavery never happened? Can you have, just, just imagine what kind of people we would be? What, how would we have advanced? Would Africa be one united Africa and all of the people educated and, 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 and building and, and with all of the resources that we have on that continent? That's, that's a heavy thing to think about. Where would we be if, if, that, if this crime would have never happened to us? So in order to do a reparations package, you know, we we, simple way was talking about international law. I've looked at that. I've looked at different things of the international law. One of the things that the the UN has created was some basic principles that should be followed in a reparation package. And, And those has to do with five different things. Restitution, again, to restore the victim to the original situation. Compensation should be provided for things that cannot be replaced. You should be compensated for those things, the damage, the loss of earnings, the loss of property, loss of economic opportunities. And like Brother said, Lord knows how you're going to you know, compensate for the loss of lives. That's, that's almost impossible. This compensation is a part, a big part of the reparations uh, demand, a package. Rehabilitation, which in, should include medical and psychological care. A lot of us, Brother Barudi, been telling us, a lot of us are out of our minds. We have to be brought back into reality. So we need, a lot of us are injured, are crippled, and, and have, have, have have diseases and things that we wouldn't have had if this wouldn't have happened to us. So we need that rehabilitation and medical and psychological and satisfaction. Which satisfaction should include cessation. I mean, stop it. You know, turn this thing around. Quit stop the harm. Like you said, we're still we're still hurting. We're still being killed and murdered and stuff. So we're talking about cessation, stopping the violence and do some truth seeking to see why it's being done. And then guarantees of non-repetition. And that means a deep change in attitude of our, 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 our enslavers, attitudes about racism and white supremacy and, and racial discrimination. All that has to stop. And we have to be guaranteed that that stuff can be dealt with. It can be dealt with. A lot of people say you can't end racism. I say it is a taught thing. You're not born a racist. You're taught racism. So you can unteach whatever you can teach or stop teaching it. So you can deal with racism and white supremacy. And that must be dealt with in a reparations package. So I just going to kind of wrap it up with some questions that I want all of us to think about while we listen to these presentations. And now, again, what does reparation look like for Africa
6: and African people?
4: So Africa is entitled to reparation. What does that look like? We have to think about that. If we're gonna make this demand, we gotta know what we're demanding. What does it look like? How do we want to be repaired? What would, the, what would be the process? Because we have, some of us have said we've received reparations in the past. I think it was Brother Kofi uh, spoke about Belinda Royale, Sutton Royale, one of the oldest reparations uh, uh, payment back in 1783. You've had the city of Chicago pay, pay uh, reparations to Africans in, in the city of Chicago. The city of Chicago, uh, I mean, not the city, but the state of Florida paid reparations in 1994 for the destruction of a town called Rosewood. You've had even universities pay rep. Georgetown University has paid reparations for them selling off some slaves back in, 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 in the I think it was 1600s or 1800s. City of Tulsa, Oklahoma for the, for the destruction of Greenwood. Believe it or not, they paid reparations without paying money. They just build some monuments and, 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 and buildings and stuff, and say, "Okay, this is our this is our part of a reparation." But they de- they paid no one any money, so that's why we still have a fight and a lawsuit going on in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for reparations. The U.S. government has paid reparations to the Victim of the Tuskegee experiment, the city of Everson, Illinois, and now we're facing the state of California, and they're in they're in the process of looking at what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. They made the decision that they were going to pay only those who were descendants, only those that could prove they were descendants of an enslaved African. That didn't go over well with many of us, especially in Kobo. However, they have, they have amended that to say, okay, we'll pay anybody that can prove that they had ancestors here before 1900 but they still haven't made that payment. And I I, I really don't see how they could, in the the amounts they're talking about paying millions of dollars. How are you gonna resolve the issue of homelessness? And it's it's got the largest homeless population in the United States by passing out some dollars. That's That's not reparations people, okay? So, so can individual states and, 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 and cities and you know pay us for reparation, complete out of, uh, complete reparation plan? I don't think so. That's why I think our focus in Encova has been and still will be on the United States government. And and what will it take for our people to have exercise our right to sovereignty and self determination? I think Brother Sipaway was really talking about that. And what about closing the wealth gap? If we're we're going to stay here and and white people own 10 times as much resources as the average black family, that's got to be a a part of a reparations plan. And like I said earlier, ultimately, we'll have to do the real work ourselves the repair and the loss of our culture. And that's something that will sustain us for generations to come. And how do we do that first? We must get organized. So any legitimate reparation plan must have a widespread in, input from all Africans affected by or at least by their chosen representatives. So they can't tell us what reparations is, only we can say what reparations is. So we have to ask ourselves what is it? What does it look like? What are we what are we demanding? And we got to know the ramifications of it. And the ramifications that we in INCOBRA talk about a lot of times is the five injury areas. The five injury areas. And, and that has to do with education, criminal justice, wealth and power, peoplehood, and health. We have been injured in those five areas ever since the slave enslavement started. And we're still being injured in those five areas every day, in education, in the criminal justice, Punishment system, as uh, 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 my man called it, the, the criminal criminal justice system. It is criminal. Wealth and power, like I said, ten times more wealth than the average black families. White families have ten times more wealth. Peoplehood, brother Simple wealth. Simple Way was talking about that. What happened to our peoplehood and our health? We're losing every day. We're dying every day. Our, our women and our children are dying every day because of health issues that we shouldn't have to deal with. In our neighborhoods, we don't have proper hospitalization or or, or, or health care. So reparations is not just about that paycheck. It is a big part of it. I mean, we are, we're not going to tear down the, the, the finances. We're entitled to that. But I, I think the, 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 the perfect example that I've seen about reparations is what the, the Jewish people got from the Germans. What did they get? They got Israel. They left Germany, went to Palestine, and called it Israel. So they got a nation of their own. And then the Germans had to pay for the relocation of all those people to that place and they had got individual payments, they got cash payments. That's a reparation settlement. And they're able to take care of themselves financially from now on, off of that reparation. And their descendants even filed a lawsuit for reparations. So that's the kind of reparation we gotta start thinking about and looking at. And it's gotta be for not just us, but for all Africans whether you be from uh, Jamaica or Trinidad or London, England. I mean, all, all Africans worldwide are entitled to reparations. And many of us are, are, are demanding it. The CARICOM, they're demanding it. That's the Caribbean islands coming together and fighting together for reparations from Great Britain. You got Australians, Canadians, you got Africans worldwide demanding reparations, but we have to know what the scope of reparations is. And we need to know where to, to make that demand. Cause if we're just going to make it on individual corporations, we're going to make it on individual States. We're not going to get full reparation. We may get a paycheck. We're not going to get full reparations. So I, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna thank uh, Sister Crystal again for this opportunity. I wanted to, you know, really try to open open our minds up to to not let any any more of us fall for saying, "Oh, I I want my money. I want my paycheck." And some of us say, "I want my 40 acres." If the if the United States government tried to give every African in this in in America 40 acres, that would take up the whole country. See, when they made that deal for 40 acres, it was less than a million of us. It's over 40 million of us now. So as, as uh, Brother Simpleway said, in the words of Dr. Obedelli, in, the, in RNA, we, just, just five states to do. Five states where we're the most heavily populated right now. But we must have land of our own. We must have land of our own in order to be economically independent. Economically independent and self-determined. So again, I want to thank Sister Crystal. I know. Black Power. Thirty minutes. I appreciate that. Thirty
2: minutes. Black Power. We want to thank you, Brother James Rogers, and all of the good work that you brothers and sisters within Cobra, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America, another organization I've been a life member of. Brother Dr. Obedele came onto the campus of. Texas Southern, I remember in 1993. And I was like, who is this gray-haired man? He looked like, like, like if you see a picture, what you think black God or black Jesus looked like? He had this <laughs> chocolate chocolate skin and his hair was silver. You know what I'm saying? He was, you know, he was teaching, talking about reparations. I was like, what? I had never heard of reparations. And I, well, I was a student of him ever since, you know, a lot of good stories, you know, but the, the organization in Cobra, the National Coalition, of Blacks for Reparations in America. How if, you do people, know, go ahead. if you want
4: to know more about it, right it in Cobra online, in CobraOnline.org. You can learn more about it in Cobra.
2: In CobraOnline.org. That's right. The yes. fundamentals of about reparations, you know, we we. I want to thank you. We cut your wisdom a little bit. You were initially going to give 30 minutes. We moved your time, an hour. We moved your time. But Brother James Rogers is the South of uh, west regional representative of incobra he's been the uh, national co-chair before uh i mean they their organization have, have brought me on to speak in dallas i mean you, you're just not going to miss this brother as far as being on the front line and like i said i've been in this organization since 93 they've been pushing reparations you know long before so it's so much on well, so much we can get in this short amount of time we definitely going to bring you back in fact we're gonna have another teach in for Marcus Garvey weekend on August the nineteenth. And we'll definitely have the YouTube, you know, situation corrected by then. But with that being said, we're gonna bring up another thank you, brother James.
1: Hey, we're going hey to bring Chris. Up, I we're gonna going bring, up,
2: a, we're going
4: I to bring up another I'm sorry. Brother uh uh Jamoke coming on and 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 I just didn't wanna miss the opportunity to so let people know in Cobra is having a thirty fourth national convention starting thursday of this of this week in oakland california so again go to our website and learn more about that
2: also in cobra online that's right we're getting ready to bring up brother jamoke uh he's going to give us some more uh powerful information as it relates to reparations our brother jamoke uh let's do a little um what we call it let's do a little let me unmute you Okay, I'm going to go back and say something, Brother Jamoke. Mic check.
6: Greetings, Black Power.
2: All right, Black Power. I'm muting everybody else. We thank Brother James Rogers <coughs> representing Cobra. Now we have Nana Kwese Jamoke Ifikayo, a.k.a. Brother Jamoke. He's got a strong bill for us. He started off this morning bringing us in in a in the spiritual way with our ancestors for the libation. Now he's right, Black at it. Brother Jamoka, you have the floor, King Black Power.
6: Black Power, thanks again, Sister Crystal, for hosting this event and giving me the opportunity to say a few words. Uh, I'm following the line of some heavy hitters. Uh, Let me first also just add a slight correction. The website is officialincobraonline.org, officialincobraonline.org. However, if you go... To, I'm sorry. Let me turn my camera on. If you go to, if you go to Incobra Online, it'll redirect you to official Encopia Online.org. But um, it, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, in terms of how the foundation has already been laid in front of me, and and so much good things have been said. You know, I'm I'm, I'm looking at a lot of what I wanted to say, and and, and James covered a lot of it. Superway covered some of it. Uh, even Baruti covered some of it. Uh, Brother Taraka even covered some of it. So
5: <clears throat>
6: I think I entitled my, my my presentation Self-Determination and Separation. And remember, James started out by saying you can't talk about reparation, i talk about self-determination. Uh, what I want to add to my presentation, which I perhaps will emphasize is some of the things, like I said, has already been covered, but like to the self-repair aspect of reparation. So, so we're, the new subtitle the new title is Self-Determination, Separation, and Self-Repair, all right? So we we'll would like to get into it, and in, as you mentioned, we did start out by pouring libation at the beginning of this. However, I would like to also follow the tradition of harp and tra- other tradition of honoring certain key ancestors that inspired me to do this work. So I'd like to dedicate this presentation to Oba, Oserjimin, Adefumi, the first, uh, who founded the Oyo Tunji Village in South Carolina. I'd like to dedicate this to Nanny of the Maroons, who's a powerful spiritual warrior in Jamaica. I'd like to dedicate this presentation to Imari Obavelli, um visionary, thought leader, founder of the Republic of New Africa, as well as founder of Incobra, and Queen Mother Dorothy Benton-Lewis, who just the tireless worker of reparations, starting really from her days in high school and got involved and, and continued to fight for reparations. Is set up almost, I think, about five different formations. She was a part of the forming of reparations groups and organizations and just was 1,000% dedicated to this fight for reparations and also talked a lot about the, the spiritual transformation part, the self-repair part that we need to do as well. So I lift this presentation up in honor of those four. So I wanted to get this in at, at the beginning, which is, you know, oftentimes people say Juneteenth, and you'll see it on T-shirts and stuff, as uh, Independence Day. I think somebody else spoke to this too, but I just, you know, Juneteenth is not our Independence Day because we didn't get our nation state. Juneteenth could be considered an Emancipation Day, but it's definitely not our Independence Day. The Independence would come with a nation state, with their own government and own laws and, and own currency and bank and all of that. So when I joined in COBRA um, back in the um, 90s, around the same time Brother James joined in COBRA, I was told by the elders that there's basically three roads to reparations. One of those roads is those who want to repatriate and also maybe immigrate to other nations, but those who want to go back to Africa but not just to go back to Africa, to go back to Africa with resources such that we could build schools, hospitals, industry, and things that we need to be viable in Africa. Um, the other option was having a sovereign nation state carved out of the United States for people of African descent or new Africans. And then the third option is assimilation. Now the people who formed in COBRA, primarily black nationalists and Pan-Africans. And so They basically believed that the only serious forms of reparations was option number one or option number two, leaving the United States, going back to Africa or somewhere else, or uh, carving out a separate nation state. However, they took a tactical view that if we want to make this a mainstream movement and bring in our people, we need to also allow for those who want to stay in the United States and not necessarily separate. um, So we call it that road assimilation. And... And that was, um, again, but they felt that
1: rep-
6: reparations would be separation primarily, either repatriation or sovereign nation state. So along the journey within COBRA, COBRA identified what we call the five injury areas. Again, James mentioned that, the five injury areas. What this was, was we were crafting a lawsuit and we wanted to look at the ways that we were harmed. And one of the things that people often think about, people think about, well, people think about health, people think about education, those are the other four. One that people often think about is peoplehood, nationhood. The fact that our languages were taken, our cultures, as Baba Ruth, You talked about our names, our ways of being, our, our ways of self-governance, our ways of resolving conflict in the community. And so all of those things are as an attack on our peoplehood and nationhood, and those are the things that need to be also included whenever we talk about reparations. How do we repair that and address those issues? However, if we go further into understanding the uh, fullness of reparations, we use the standard of the United Nations, five forms of full repair reparations. And I'm just going to focus on two of those. One is cessation and non repetition uh, again, as Babaruti Elif really showed us, you know, and talked about the fact that these crimes uh, against people of African descent are still happening right now uh, in, in every area, from, from police to education to healthcare to um, in, in, in every area of human life. And so part of reparations has to be the ending of those crimes and the ending of um, those things that continue to happen to us in this country. And so if you think about it, again, option number one and option two make the most sense if you're trying to do that. If you stay inside the United States Na- inside of the United States and it makes it more challenging to figure out how to craft public policy such that these things won't continue to happen. Um, the other um form of And as I mentioned, sensation, non-repetition, I'd like to add to that, um, thank Brother Taharka for lifting up political prisoners and prisoners of war and those in exile. Uh, Cobra has always had that as an important aspect of the reparations movement. And, you know, to me, and again, I I should say that of qualified this early in the presentation, um, uh, the title I have right now is Southeast Regional Representative of Ecobra also the male co-chair of the South Florida chapter of ENCOBRA. I've been a past national, male co-chair of ENCOBRA, past national secretary. I've also had leadership positions in the Republic of New Africa, including president and vice president, district representative. But today I'm not speaking on behalf of NCOBRA. I'm speaking on behalf of Jimoka, someone who spent about 30 years now um, inside the, the reparations movement, as Mr. Christopher said, boots on the ground organizing. And so one of the things to me that we would have to, you know, a reparations demand would be not just releasing about political prisoners or prisoners of war, but releasing all of those prisoners that's in jail. And, and you know, we would have our own way of addressing how to um, deal with them in terms of whatever crimes, so or I don't even like to say crimes, whichever way that they broke the trust in the community. We know, for example, in Africa we didn't have prisons, right? So we had other ways of addressing um, people when they – broke trust in the community. So the other form of reparations from the United Nations that I wanted to highlight is restitution. Restitution deals with, again, our legal standing. And I think that, uh, again, President Sipawe did an excellent presentation in terms of that. Um, that I first learned about that from Imario from Bedelli in the Republic of New Africa. The fact that the 14th Amendment was imposed on our people. We did not agree that we wanted to be citizens of the United States, and a law has to be consensual. So we we had the opportunity to, to agree to be citizens of the United States, or agree not to be citizens of the United States, or agree to have our own separate territory, which is what was said to General Stanton, and, and which became 40 acres and a mule, which was a, to be a separate territory for people of African descent. Um, uh, from, it's from the enslavement period. And so, you know, we, we stand on, on this, this, this fact that we're, we, we didn't agree to be citizens in the United States. So that has to be looked at in terms of, in terms of our reparations demand, as well as our loss of language, as well, again, as well as our loss of culture, as well as our loss of ways of being and how we did things. Uh, all of that has to has to be addressed as it relates to um, reparations. I, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, talking about the Republic of New Africa, the provisional government of the Republic of New Africa, um, probably most people on this call are familiar with um, the idea of some a- activists, and at that time they were called militants, and one of my elders, and he don't let like, term activists, you prefer militants, which is what they were called back then, um, came together on March 31st, 1968 to to begin to form our own nation. We hear times people say we're a nation within a nation and all that. We need, there there's a group of thinkers. Uh, again, Mario Bedelli was one of those and others, his brother Gaidi and others, who came together and said, you know, what is it that's necessary to form our own nation? And if you go to the United Nations, you find out it's only a, a, a few simple things that you need to become a nation. One is you have to identify a group of people. And so we identify ourselves as new Africans, people of African descent in the United States. The second thing you have to do is you have to identify a specific territory. The specific territory was determined South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. And then the third thing you must do is establish a government so that you can relate to other governments so you can govern yourselves and so it regulates other governments in the world. And so that's what was done. Uh, Provisional Government of Republic of Africa was brought into existence in, at that point and people began to organize around that, creating uh, cabinet positions. And, and as a matter of fact, one of the first campaigns that was launched by the Provisional Government of Republic of Africa was a campaign for plebiscite and reparation. Um, Again, I feel like I'm going to keep saying these people's names who spoken before me and hopefully, uh, well, I guess people have listened to my presentation, listened but what I've heard their presentation as well. But, but, uh, again, one of the examples and that again, it was lifted up by Brother James is the example of Israel as an example of a strong, as an example of reparations. Um, although there are some issues around how they just took the land from the Palestinians, but they did um, move in the form of setting up their own nation state. And as James said, not only did people get um, compensated to move to the territory, not only did they compensate it individually, but even to this day, they received the largest foreign aid amount from the United States government to strengthen and uplift their government in, in doing the things that they need to do as a government. And it's the same thing that was called for, say, for example, by the Nation of Islam, that we would create our own nation state. And the United States would fund that for, I think, I think it would say 20, 25 years or until as long as we felt necessary for us to be um, strong and self-sufficient on our own. So again, this, this what, we're, what we're discussing now is not something that's far-fetched. This is something that's grounded in international law. And it's really just based on us really coming together and organize ourselves and be willing to make a strong, powerful demand and back it up. I want to go and and shift a little bit now. Like I said, a lot of this has already been said. So I wanted to go and shift a little bit into the area of self-repair. Some people use the word internal reparations. I particularly do not like to use that word. I prefer the term self-repair. Um, I know in conversations with Dr. Aini and others um, was agreement that we should not use, necessarily use the word internal reparations, that self-repair, which was brought forward by Professor Chiwezu of Nigeria at the um, reparations conference held in Abuja, April 23rd, 27, 1993, um, he, he put forth a very powerful document on reparations and self-repair. And he's going to read an excerpt from that. And he says, let me begin by noting that reparations is not just about money. It's not even mostly about money. In fact, money is not even 1% of what reparations is about. Reparations is mostly about making repairs, self-made repairs on ourselves, mental repairs, psychological repairs, cultural repairs, organizational repairs, social repairs, institutional repairs technological repairs, economic repairs, political repairs, educational repairs, repairs of every type that we need in order to recreate and have sustainable black societies. More important than any money to be received, more fundamental than any land to be recovered, is the opportunity that reparations campaigns offer for us to rehabilitate, for the rehabilitation of black people, by black people, for black people. Opportunities for the rehabilitation of our minds our mental
5: conditions, our
6: material conditions, our collective reputation, our cultures, our memories, our self-respect, our religions, our political traditions, and our family institutions. But first and foremost, the rehabilitation of our mind. We're going to build on that with another great scholar. He also just talked about what he called the ethics and in, in the reparations movement, Baba Nana Malana Karanga. Karanga asserts that reparations, like all our struggles, begins with the need for a clear conception of what we want, how we define the issue and explain it to the world. What is it to be done to achieve it? He put forward the argument that the ethical dimension is the first and foremost fundamental dimension of the reparations issue. He teaches us that the Lucia, the sacred text of ancient Egypt, there is a concept of restoration, healing and repairing the world that is appropriate in discussing the struggle to advance the cause of reparation. This concept is called serouj, which is a part of the phrase seroujah, which Karenga states means to repair and heal the world, making it more beautiful and beneficial than it was before. Accordingly, he asserts that this is an ongoing moral obligation in the Maitean ethical tradition and is expressed in the following terms. To raise up that which is in ruins, to repair that which is damaged, to rejoin that which is severed, to replenish that which is depleted, to strengthen that which is weakened, to set right that which is wrong, and to make flourish that which is insecure and undeveloped. And
5: I'll close out by another quote
6: from Professor chin who says, now we who are campaigning for reparations cannot hope to change the world without changing ourselves. We cannot hope to change the world without changing our ways of seeing the world, our ways of thinking about the world, our ways of organizing our world, our ways of working and dreaming in our world. All these and more must change for the better. The type of black man and black woman that was made by the Holocaust, that was made to feel inferior by slavery, and then was steeped in colonial attitudes and values, that type of black person will not be able to bring the post-reparation global order into being without changing profoundly in the process that has begun. That type of black will not be even appropriate for the post-reparation global order unless thoroughly and suitably reconstructed. Again, that's
5: Brother um, Professor
6: Chinwezu from his um, presentation at the, um, at the Pan-African Reparations Conference that was held in Abuja, Nigeria, um, in 1993. So again, I just want us to think about, talk about reparations, to remember that we're talking about reclaiming our culture and traditions. Reclaiming the way that, as was said earlier, how we would have been if the crime hadn't happened. We would have had elders councils, for example, to resolve the conflict in the community as opposed to taking our challenges to the courts. We'd have, we'd have different forms of self-governance. We have different forms of education, rights of passage for our young people. We would have different ways of just thinking about the world. We'd have a fundamental, and this is important for us to add in this conversation and reparations, we have to have a fundamental um, change in the way we understand our relationship to the earth and how we protect Mother Earth and how we heal Mother Earth and not disrespect Mother Earth with pollution and, and other harms that we continue to make it difficult for human beings to live on planet Earth. That has to be included in our, in our reparations conversation because it doesn't make sense for us to talk about reparations and we won't be able to breathe the air on the earth. Is we won't be able to live in Africa because it's desert. We won't be able to drink healthy, clean water because it's been all polluted. We also have to add this part of the conversation to our reparation movement is how we heal and repair and restore ourselves and how we heal and repair and restore um, planet Earth. And uh, I'll close on that note. I see I finished a little early so. but um uh, Thank you, Sister Crystal, again for giving me this time to share. Um, this already has been a very powerful and profound presentation, and I know we got many more presentations to go. So, um, and hopefully, <laughs> you know,
2: it's up to you. I, I I know, I know, I have nine minutes. <laughs> it's up to you. Um, yeah.
5: But
2: you know, I want to well, brother brother Jamoke. I know you got a. a, a a wealth of information. He's being very, very mm-hmm. humble. You know, he, he when I talk with him, I'm talking about, but I know we're not putting all of our strategies out on this particular call, excuse me, but we will be coming back doing another teach-in on August the 19th. That's going to be in honor of Marcus Garvey weekend. But this teach-in specifically, we had requested that our presenters lay down some key information so we, you know, we will make sure that this video goes up on our YouTube channel so folks can go back, replay the video. We will also make sure we put in the notes of the show, the links. You can always email us at uh, nbppnationalchair at gmail.com. I know that's kind of long. If you forget, just go to nbpp.org. Uh, Brother Jamoke uh, can uh, reiterate, how to join in Cobra. I mean, it's, we're talking about years, decades of hardcore thought has went into these 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 strategies that have already been given to us, these outlets. So now we need to pick up the gauntlet. All hands on deck. It's something that everybody can be doing. You can't say you don't know what to do because they're gonna they, get, they laying out the who, what, when, where, well, how, and why. Now, on our watch, this is what we have to do. You know, our ancestors fought for and lost blood to end oh, so-called the end of chattel slavery even though it's still going on with the prison.
1: Our parents
2: and grandparents fought for civil rights. Now, our watch is reparations. And this is this is Cadillac compared to what everybody before us had to go do, getting but, hoses yeah. and, and all of that. So, yeah. so I this would is like to add, Go ahead, brother.
6: Yeah, I, I would like to add that um, really, really like really a challenge, and I and I've been putting this out to uh, <laughs> people in the circles that I move in, because you know we're we're at a point, and and I I agree again with my brother James that you know local reparations, cities and county reparations not the full picture of what we need. However, we, it, we are getting successful right now in the area of local reparations in terms of city, county, and state. So I'm really, really challenging the type of people who are on this call to really get involved and engaged in this process, to get involved in your local reparations movement, because what end up happening is that, you know, reparations will come out looking a certain way, uh, you know, and, and we'll be complaining, and talking about, oh, that's just for the wild. that's for this is not serious, or this is not holistic enough, and and it'll be because we weren't involved and we weren't at the table. So I'm really encouraging people, whatever city, there's over 112, I understand municipalities right now that are dealing with reparations in counties and states to really get involved and make sure our voices are heard, those that represent a strong black self determination voice, those that represent a strong black nationalist voice, those that represent a strong black uh, holistic health voice, those that represent and you know, understand the importance of, of real freedom and liberation and separation. Um, we need to be getting involved in these conversations at the local level. I am involved, you know, as Phil said, boots on the ground, doing it. I'm not just talking about it. I'm doing it right now in Miami-Dade County in South Florida. We just had a meeting um, uh, just a few days ago, and, and, we're, and also I've been involved with the Coulton County Reparations Task Force um, in Atlanta, where I used to live. Also the Atlanta uh, Reparations Task Force, the Cato Reparations Task Force, all of in the Atlanta area. So uh, I'm encouraging, um, like I said, more of a challenge, encouraging the type of people on this call to get involved. If you're not already involved, to get more involved in the local reparations campaigns in your city, county, and state. Yes, sir.
2: Thank you. Black Power, Black Power, Black Power. Let's see, let's see. Brother Jamo mm. Uh...